Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Rich Scarcella in just a few moments. The Tampa Bay Rays, down the stretch, they are battling for a playoff berth, and they picked up a big one last night by beating the Yankees in extra innings. Kicking the pitch, swing and a drive to right field, back at a judge to the wall. Rays win! Rays win! Rays win! G. Montoy wants it off here in the 12th. Rays beat the Yankees 2-1. to one. Big win for the Rays last night. They played very well down the stretch. And uh, they beat the Yankees 2-1 in 12. Uh, before we get to Rich Scarcella, I want to bring up one quick note. There's volleyball tonight in Rec Hall. Penn State will take on Michigan State. It'll be at 8 o'clock. I believe it's on BTN tonight. This is the International Week of the Deaf. And so they've decided to do something tonight that I think is very interesting. Fans will remain silent from the opening serve until Penn State scores its ninth point in the first set. So you're asking about why point number nine? That is to honor number nine, All-American Johnny Parker. Johnny Parker needed hearing aids as a child. To be frank with you, Johnny Parker also, when you have hearing aids as a child, you're just amazed at uh, how cruel some kids can be. Johnny grew up, uh, and she loved basketball, she loved um, softball, and sports were a great outlet for her to excel, because she's an excellent athlete. In watching your older sister Paige play volleyball, that's when she started to get into volleyball. And she has a great feel for it. Russ Rose talks about that. And she's a terrific athlete. What's interesting about the story with Johnny Parker is that not only is she excelling, last year she was the Big Ten Freshman of the Year, and she is an All-American, but her sister Paige went to graduate school, and now... After graduating from Northwestern, she graduated in audiology, where now she helps those with hearing loss. So Paige inspired Johnny. Johnny inspired Paige. It's a remarkable story. And also helping with the event will be Ryan Perry, who is a deaf student manager for the Nittany Lion program. And all the fans in attendance tonight are going to get a flyer and details about the specific cheers, how to use sign language to applaud, and so forth. It really is a wonderful and, I think, loving tribute to Johnny and also the message it sends out during International Week of the Deaf. And it turns out that September is the month for that. Now, we are going to do on the Unrivaled TV show next week, leading into Purdue for Homecoming, a story on Johnny Parker. And it's... uh, uh, she's a terrific interview, great story, and we're looking forward to telling that. 
With that, we bring in Rich Scarcella from the Reading Eagle, not only getting ready for Penn State, Maryland, but he's getting ready for the Eagles and his Packers. Hello, Rich. Hi, Steve. Good. How are you? Doing well. All right, before we get to Penn State, Maryland, mm-hmm. what does Rich Scarcella think about the Eagles and your beloved Packers? Um, I think it's going to be a very tight, close game. Um, I I don't... I know the Eagles, and there are a lot of people who are in southeastern Pennsylvania who are not happy with their favorite NFL team. But um, I think the fact that uh, they they made a lot of mistakes on Sunday and yet almost had a chance to win the game, uh, I think it's going to be a very close game. And obviously, like anybody else, the key is for the Packers is to to pressure Carson Wentz. Yeah. All right, so now let's get to Penn State. Uh, at the quarter pole of the regular season, Penn State is 3-0. and mm-hmm. And, of course, they're going to play Maryland, which is 2-1 and mm-hmm. in, in the Big Ten opener. What has been your assessment now that you've watched three consecutive Penn State games? of where? You know, let's start with this. Where are the pluses with this team that you like that can be building blocks moving forward? Yeah, I mean... Overall, I would have to agree with James Franklin. They, 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 there's there's a lot of room for growth. Um, pluses, oh boy, um, I would say the emergence of Jahan Dotson uh, as a real threat in the passing game. I would say the running backs. Although I'm not crazy about using all four. Uh, I'm going to pick on one, not pick on one, but single one out. And I think that Journey Brown has impressed me considerably um, with a with a lot of things that he's done. And you know, a year ago, if you would have asked me who would be the best Penn State running back um, for the first three games, I wouldn't have said Journey Brown. And I, I, he's really impressed me um, defensively. Pluses. Um, I think the linebackers had a, an outstanding game against Pitt. All three starters, uh, Cam Brown, Micah Parsons, and Janet Johnson. I like the cornerbacks. I think Tariq Castro-Fields is playing, and John Reed, are playing yeah. at an extremely high level. And then, how can I forget, uh, the secret weapon, Jordan Stout. Yeah. Jordan Stout's been incredible. I mean, it's something, I mean, I knew he had a really good reputation. He's been nothing short of spectacular. Yeah. No, he has. He's done. You want to talk about filling, checking every box so far? He's, mm-hmm. done, he's done exactly that. Yeah. Now, every team obviously is going to have room to grow. So mm-hmm. you mentioned James Franklin said room to grow. Mm-hmm. If a couple of areas in particular grow, uh, which ones would be the difference makers in your mind where in the room to grow area that would be a big plus? Well, I'll, I'll just say one on both sides of the ball, third down. Yep. Period. I mean, if Penn State can, could, or will, would convert um, the third down conversions on offense, I, I think you'll see, you would see um, the time of possession obviously would go up. Uh, the defense would be rested, uh, you know, everything that goes with that. Uh, I'd like to see the four-minute offense improve, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the third-down conversions. Right. I, mean, I mean, that's been an issue for the last few years with them. 
Um, defensively, the same thing. Uh, they got hurt. The pass rush, you know, it hasn't been consistent. But they still rank in the top. Penn State still ranks in the top 15 in the country in sacks. Uh, but third downs has third down has definitely been an issue in, in getting off the field. Um, and I think if they improve just on third down on offense and defense, I think this team can really take off. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, your thoughts on Sean Clifford to this point? Uh, he's had three starts under his belt. How do you feel he's handled the three assignments? Uh, same thing, sort of uneven. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think pluses, he hasn't turned the ball over. Yeah. That's a big plus, huge plus. Yeah. No interceptions, no fumbles. Uh, two weeks ago against Pitt, had open receivers downfield and missed them, which is ironic because many of us who, unlike you, we, we can't see practice all the time, we were expecting him to be very accurate with the deep passes. And for those, and for those of us who see it uh, yeah. all the time, Rich, uh, you're right. You, we would expect the same thing. Yeah. So I think there's something here. Um, you know, you keep keep saying this, or I keep, or I keep saying this. Not you. Uh, it's his third start. He's only started three games. That's right. Is he a little excitable throwing the ball high, long? Yes. Yep. And I think he's focused on not making mistakes, and, and he, the, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, he, he hasn't made a, he hasn't made a big big mistake. Um, but I think he needs to anticipate receivers getting open a little better, uh, hitting them in stride, specifically KJ Hamler, Jahan Dotson, and um, yeah. So, but I again, you're, I mean, he's got a, such a, <laughs> he's got such a ceiling, a high ceiling. I mean, there's. Yeah. He's he's just to me, he's scratching the surface of what he could be. Yeah, exactly right. He is scratching the surface of what he could be along the way because you do see the way he throws the ball that mm-hmm. it's there. Mm-hmm. The question is, does he now settle in and have the deep ball accuracy that you're hoping for that a guy you know has shown you? Now he's got to show it to you in the game more consistently. Yeah. And there has been, Steve, there has I mean, you and I know this. Uh, Buffalo and Pittsburgh uh, put the pressure squarely on his shoulders and that of the offensive line. Right. Dared him and dared Penn State to beat them with the passing game. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of things. And once he, I think once he settles in, uh, if he settles in, I think you're going to see a change in the Penn State offense. I think it's going to open up the running game. You know, there's going to be a lot of residual effects. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that's that's a great point because uh, I think that let's take the Steelers for example. Mm-hmm. Steelers are struggling with the running game right now in the la- you know in the last game and a half in part because Mason Rudolph actually needs to be effective throwing the football for the Steelers actually to run the football and not the other way around. Right. Right. Uh, I, and I think that's what I, I asked um, James the first question, uh, you know, an hour and a half ago. <laughs> running game, and and I think and so he didn't say that in so many words, but I knew what he was saying. You know that yeah, once they get the passing game going, the running game should be able to take off. He's also played a lot of players, uh, you know, and people talk about developing depth uh, in. One of the keys to me of developing depth is if it's done in such a way where you know you can do it right. Mm-hmm. Now, now you've got the 
your most trusted players, mm-hmm. which are usually your starters, actually fresher in the fourth quarter. Yes. What kind of progress do you think they've made in developing depth so that key players can get some time off? I don't think there's any doubt that in these first three games that they've developed a lot of depth. Um, boy, almost at every position, maybe except quarterback. Yeah. And that's you know that's to be expected. But I think, um, gee, look at the offensive line. They're rotating three tackles. They're rotating three guards. You look at the running backs. They're using four running backs. They're using two tight ends. They're using six, seven receivers. Defensively, 10, 11 defensive linemen six or seven linebackers, I, I lost track of how many D-backs. So, yeah, they, they've used a lot of people and have gotten um, – they've got they've developed a lot of depth. And now you're at the key point going into the fourth game here. Which of the freshmen are going to be playing more than four games and are not going to be redshirted? And I would think um, Adisa Isaac and Brandon Smith might be two that are going to play – uh, they're not going to have a redshirt year this year. Yeah, and you know what? And the, but those are also two guys. Let's go back to the depth part. Mm-hmm. Brandon Smith. That means Cam Brown would get a few uh, some plays off. Could yeah. be fresher in the fourth. And the rotation at defensive end gives them mm-hmm. right because of what those those players can do. The yeah. freshman running backs. You brought up the freshman Devin Ford and Noah Kane. What have you thought about them? I mean, obviously, Ford broke off the big run against Idaho. Mm-hmm. And Kane, of course, on the drive that eventually put Penn State in front to stay against Pitt, played a pivotal role in that. What have you thought about those two? Um, I've been very impressed with both of them. And honestly, I think Noah Kane was probably underused against Pitt. I think, that, I mean, the one drive that Penn State sustained, the 88-yard drive, he was a, he was on the field for that, and it was a lot, and he gained a. I think 40-some yards rushing, if my, and, he, and he caught a pass out of the backfield. Uh, I was very, I'm, I've been very impressed with both of them. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Kane, what we saw in the blue-white game and what, what I've seen so far, he has a knack for um, gaining yards moving forward, going, going north-south, yeah. and I like that a lot. And that, that, to me, bodes well if you wanted to get into a four-minute offense, that, yes. kind, of, that kind of mentality. Yep. Absolutely, Steve. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's what I because James will say, "Hey, look, you hit him at three, he gets you five. You hit him at five, he'll fall down and get you seven. Yes. And he's just. It seems like Kane's just one of those guys that is always going forward. Yeah. Now, I mean, they they have some areas they have to improve on the two yeah. of them, but when they're carrying the ball or catching the ball, they don't look like true freshmen. They look. I mean, they don't. They look. They look like seasoned guys, but you know, they got. They have to. They have to improve in pass protection, and that's you know, for a true freshman in their third games, play who had three games of experience, that's to be expected. But I'm. I, I really like both of them. Really like them a lot. All right. Uh, so uh, the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you seen from them? It's really been a seven-guy rotation at this point with Des Holmes mm-hmm. and then between Thorpe and Miranda uh, yep. working at the two guard spots. What have you thought about them so far? Uh, like I said earlier, they've they've had to uh, cope with a lot of pressure from yeah. Buffalo and Pitt. Right. And I know a lot of people, you know, fans, 
have been critical of them, but I think, especially against Pitt, I think they did a really, really nice job. Um, I thought they had a really good game. Yeah. I know our a guy from our area, Michael Mann at the, uh, the Penn State Center, uh, he had his hands full with Pitt's nose tackle, whose name right now is uh, Twy- Twyman. Yes, and did a really nice job. He got beat a couple times, sure, but he had key blocks on Journey Brown's 85-yard run and on a pair of touchdown runs. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the offensive line showed signs of improvement last uh, two weeks ago against Pitt. Yeah, uh, I thought Will Fries played really well in that game. At, yep. the, at the right tackle spot, I thought he played really well. I think Mennett, you know, and I know Michael's from your area. Mm-hmm. I think Michael might be one of the top couple of centers in the Big Ten. I mean, I think he's he has played to me played in practice really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's what I've seen. You know, when I try to watch him and isolate him, uh, I think he's done a really nice job. And and as you know, and I know. Um, he stepped up after Connor McGovern and Ryan Bates yeah. left last year and has become a real leader, not only on the offensive line, but in that locker room and from what everybody says. And uh, I think he's embraced that as well. All right. So, what do you think? What kind of read do you have on Maryland? Because and Jack Ham and yeah. I were talking about this last night. Mm-hmm. And the Howard tape is, you know, you're going to look at that. You know, you're not going to look at that one. Just like nobody, you know, Johnny. I don't expect Johnny Holiday to look at the Idaho tape. Correct. Um, yeah, you look at some of the Syracuse stuff, but then you, I watch Syracuse against Clemson. They're not good. Yeah. Uh, and then Temple, between Temple and Maryland, it was a real contest as to which one wanted to lose the game more. Uh, so, how do you read Maryland at this point? Well. You know, they they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of speed. They sure do. Yeah, both sides of the ball. Um, it's hard It's hard to make sense out of the Temple game, only in the sense that, um, you know, they had two shots uh, to take the lead, and they, they couldn't score from inside the five. Right. You know, and it, it's hard to say. I, and I watched a little bit of the Syracuse game, and they're – I mean, receivers were running free and easy in the secondary against Syracuse. They were all over the place. Yes, yes. So I, you know, it's hard. It's hard to put a lot of stock in that um, in that game. But I mean, I think Maryland. I think Maryland's. This is going to be a tough game for Penn State. Oh yeah. Considering um, it's the fir- it's the first road game of the year. It's a Friday night. The atmosphere promises to be probably the best that Penn State has seen there in a long time. Right. Um, you know, I think a lot depends on how Josh Jackson plays as quarterback. He did not play well against Temple. Uh, if he's on, it could it, it could open a lot of things up for Anthony McFarland. So yeah, it, but it is it's difficult to get a read on them, Steve. Uh, I just, I'm just expecting a close game. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, Jack and I were talking about uh, McFarland and Leak last night, mm-hmm. and I, I know you'll agree with this. You can, you know, if you look at the tape, you could stop McFarland or Leak a yard here, two yards there, three yards there, and all of a sudden they break one. Yeah, all right, that's the thing. You can stop them five, six, seven plays in a row, and all of a sudden, and when they hit, they hit. Yeah, and you remember what Penn State did last year 
Um, yeah. They they really bottled up Anthony McFarland at Beaver Stadium in that in the last regular season game of the year. And yeah. boy, I, you know, I yeah, I think it's going to be tough to do that again. Um, you know, I think if they if if they hold them under a hundred, I think that's that that might be a small victory. Yeah, I remember last year what McFarland did against Ohio State. He was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, in the in the game he played, and then Penn State brilliantly defensed him when he came here. Yes, uh, and it's interesting atmosphere in that stadium. This might be the best atmosphere we've seen in that stadium since 1985. That hot, hot opener. Yeah, Michael Zordich picked off that pass yeah. on the second play of the game. It was over 100 degrees, right? Yeah, it was over 100. Yeah, it was 104, something yeah. like that, and. and because after that, you know, Penn State played at Memorial Stadium a couple times, you know, so that doesn't count. It's not on campus. Uh, you know, the game in Baltimore a couple years ago, like four years ago, I mean, that wasn't on campus. Uh, then when they went down there two years, it was a really good game, but still. You know, and then they went down there two years ago and they dominated them right. in that stadium. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's how long it's been since – Penn State's face an atmosphere like that, and they're bringing in, I guess, extra bleachers to put in that platform area to put more students in. Yeah, it should. I'm, I'm interested to see. And then what? Uh, classes for the second half of the day were called off. Yeah, but they need the parking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they need. I mean, seriously, they need the parking. I yeah. Mean, to to yeah. do this, that's why you know the romantic thought of oh, isn't that great? Such a big game. Yeah. No, they they need the parking yeah. lots. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, last last year Penn State's uh, you know Penn State's first Friday night game went pretty well. Yeah. At Illinois, uh, but I think this team is a little better than this Maryland team's a little better than the Illinois team from last year. No question. Hey, Rich, I know you have a lot of work to do. I want you to get to it, but I always appreciate any conversation I have with you. Anytime, Steve. My pleasure. Rich Garcella, Reading Eagle. Uh, one more half hour coming up. Bottom of the hour. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us on the show today. Thanks to Rich Scarcello joining us in the previous half hour.
Bob Buhner is still here in the building. Absolutely, Steve. And I was just at the, not the Sunbury Motors studio, I was at the Sunbury Motors, picked myself up another Ford Escape from my good friend salesman uh, Mark Sutsko. Great experience over across the river. Yeah, I knew it was only a matter of time because you got the, the better half got one a little over a year ago. Yeah, right. Exactly right. So now there's two matching pair. Yep, uh, from Sunbury Motors. So very happy fellow, Steve. I think we're going to see uh, on Friday night a student section in the Maryland uh, seating area of what I would call alcohol imbued crowd. I hear it's going to be a blackout Friday night. Well, so there you go. <laughs> Not because of that. Well, maybe. I mean, anytime you call off classes at noon is a recipe for a lot of shenanigans. So, Well, that, to be honest with you, on Friday nights, campuses don't have much of a choice. No. I mean, they, I mean, they, I mean, they don't have much of a choice if they're going to play a game on a Friday night. You need the parking lots. You betcha. And that—that's what it comes down to. It's yeah. And, and now, does does it lead to like Thursday tomorrow, the last day of classes for the week, <laughs> and it, you might have a <clears throat> finely <clears throat> tuned crowd? You betcha. Uh, for Friday, and of course it does. Yeah, and you know, you said Steve the 1985 game uh, down in Maryland, uh, 104 degrees, and global warming hit us what 30 some four years ago. That, yeah. I remember that. That was one hot. Oh. I mean, people were dripping the kids, the players, during the warm-ups. It was just incredible. Well, it was, Trey Bauer was telling us a story today because it was his first career start. He was telling a story today. It was the first time that Joe ever had the team go out and warm up without pads uh, because of the heat. He said, look, I don't want you putting the pads on until you come back in and come back out to play the game. So they warmed up without pads. Now, Bauer, it was his first ever start, and he said he didn't drink enough water. <laughs> either, Hello? Either didn't drink, I try to think. He didn't drink enough whatever. All I know is that before the first play, he, quote, let loose. <laughs> oh, boy. Right? And Mike Russo had to line up and had to put his hand in it. Uh, so that that was not the pretty, prettiest sight. And then uh, then Mike Zordich picked off Stan Gelbaugh's pass, ran it back for a touchdown, lost his shoe on the return, so he was running with a with a sock on and a cleat. Uh, so and Penn State won the game twenty to eighteen late in the game. It's twenty to eighteen, and Maryland is driving. And at this point now, as the third announcer, I'm on the field because I had to do the post-game show with Joe mm-hmm. and Gil, Gil Santos and John Grant are up in the booth. And I'm standing down there, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, it is hot out here. Jeez, <laughs> it's hot. And Lance Hamilton made a great play where he stripped the ball out of the receiver's hands, and Penn State recovered and ended the game. And it was an incredible win for them. Well, you're right. The heat was incredible. We were up in that booth, and they were bringing us fruit and water the entire time up in the booth uh, on that day. By the, it really was amazingly hot. By the way, Steve, Trey Bauer has to be one of the most interesting and funniest guys ever to oh, play God. football oh. at Penn State. Oh, uh, I mean, a, a true character of legendary proportion. I watched the show that you uh, helped narrate about the 1986 
national championship, and yeah. there's a lot of Trey Bauer in that. And he should be. And yeah, let's put it to you another way: he's not a shy fellow, even as a 18 year old <laughs> freshman. I mean, he I think no. had a little conversation with the coach about his lack of playing time, and uh, he was you know assertive. I guess would be a nice word. Well, he ended up uh, starting at 85, 86, 87. So he started three years. Yeah. Uh, and he had thought about going pro after 86. Decided to come back. Then he got hurt. Didn't work out. He says he wouldn't change his decision. So, Good for him. Yeah, that's that's the way he is. Yep. Uh, Major League Baseball, I want to just very quickly get into this. You see they set a record this week for most strikeouts in a season. Well, you know, uh, it is the twelfth consecutive year. The twelfth consecutive year that Major League Baseball has set a record for strikeouts in a season. Last night, Steve, I was following the Yankees at Tampa Bay. Um, it was a two-one victory in twelve innings by Tampa Bay on a walk-off home run. There were thirty-one or thirty or thirty-one strikeouts in that game. The, right. The Yankees struck out seventeen. Tampa Bay thirteen. I mean, it's striking out is rampant, to put it mildly. It, it, it's rampant. Now, look, I understand the launch angle stuff, especially when it comes to uh, shifts with infields, and you're trying to hit it over the shift. I've got that. Yeah. But what they've done with this is, and this is where, you know, if you're going to be somebody that is so married to sabermetrics and so married to analytics don't make a fool of yourself and be stubborn about it and here's the reason why there are a lot of things about sabermetrics and analytics that are are terrific but don't ever sit there and tell me a strikeout is the same as any other out Uh, the object of the game is to score well if I've got a runner on second and nobody out and I strike out I have one out and a runner on second. Now there's a pass ball, a wild pitch. Now the runner's on third. And we then infield drawn up, ground out, thrown out, whatever, and we don't get him in. Yeah. Okay, now I get the same runner on second, and I've got one out. And I put the ball in play to the right side of the infield. And he's thrown out, runner goes to third. Now the same wild pitch pass ball happens. Guess what happens? We got a run on the board. He scores, right? And that's the entire object of the game is to score, and that's where the analytics people lose me when they tell me a strikeout's like any other out. Anytime you put the ball in play, you create risk, especially now, if you're playing the Pirates. Right. <laughs> now the risk may be minimal and routine, whatever. But how many times have we seen, quote, the routine play just suddenly go awry? The vast majority of routine plays are made because they are just that. They are routine. Sure. But when you at least put the ball in play, you bring risk into the game. Next part is we talk about, okay, everybody has shifted three on the right side of the infield against a left-handed power hitter. The other person on the left-hand side normally is going to be over at the shortstop spot. Not always, but normally at the shortstop spot. Bunt. Sure. And if you and if you do it three or four times, guess what they have to do? 
you now have bought yourself collateral to get them out of the shift because now they don't know what to do against you. And, you know, the best thing you can do, Steve, is to force the defense to make decisions. Exactly. And we talk about this all the time. And I was talking with a couple of the linebackers, and Jack and I had talked about this. When you're playing baseball, what do coaches always tell you or managers tell you to do when you're playing? Okay, Before the ball's pitched, know where you want to take the ball. Okay, There's a runner on first, so I'm the shortstop. I'm, I want to go the short way of the second baseman. Okay, First and second. Ball hit to my right. I may want to just go right to third and get a force. You know that ahead of time because you think that out ahead of time. Where am I going to go to with the ball if it is hit to me? Well, it's the same story we talk about in football, uh, the screen passes that have been thrown against Penn State. It's third down and whatever. You have to, uh, like, along. It's third and long. You have to expect that as a possibility. <coughs> Excuse me. You yeah. have to expect that as a possibility. And you have to think that ahead of time, especially if you're going to be in man coverage. That's your guy. So anticipate that that is a possibility and think ahead of time, where am I going to be because they might throw a screen on this play because teams have done that to us before. I am guessing that the Penn State coaches might have just reinforced that concept during the bye week. Just just yeah, yeah. throwing that out there. Well, and, and that's the crusher on that, those two screen passes. Penn ah. State's a man, man, man each time, which means there's somebody assigned to the running back. Yeah, and uh, there don't was nobody get there. Caught, don't get caught up in the wash. Don't get yourself in a spot, I'm going to go over here and help. They want you to go over and help. Right? They want you over there helping instead, and then slip out the running back. That's the way it's conceived. Steve, a quick question uh, from a friend of mine, Bob from Danville, let's just say. Um, in the Penn State-Pitt game, uh, the, the drive by Pitt that ended up on the one-yard line, why was Micah Parson not in that series? I would just, well, if you know, I mean, well, if you can speculate. Yeah, I, but, I mean, I, I think there was just Jesse Lucetta's turn to be out there. Is My, my follow-up question, is there a preordained <laughs> game plan about those kinds of usually. rotations? Okay. Usually. Uh, there are certain players, for example, that they want out there in a, in a four-series pattern. Mm-hmm. They want X player out there in three of the four. Okay. There's some they want out there two of four. They want some out there one of four. They really don't want guys out there four of four. Well, yeah, but, you know, I, on, uh, against no, I, Pitt, I, I, I agree with you completely. Micah Parsons should have been out there. I, I, I'm just thinking to myself, he that game appeared to most people, and certainly to me, to be the best defensive player on the field. And at the critical <laughs> oh, point in the, in the game, um, he's, not, he's you know waiting his turn right. on the sidelines. I agree with you about yeah. this. I mean, this is not – it's not something I disagree with you about. I'm just – you yeah. asked if – Yeah, you asked that's what, if that was the curiosity, and I kind of figured it had to be that reason, a rotation. Right. I mean, but I think there's certain points where, okay, game's on the line. Who, who am I – you know, yeah. who are my best players? Uh, yeah. And, and you go with it from there. Now, hopefully you've managed the game in such a way where they're relatively fresh at that point mm-hmm. and do not have a backlog of plays. Uh and sure. uh, Parsons, for example, Parsons, for example, is coming off a game against Buffalo, where he played sixty-seven plays. That's the most of his career. 
And that is a lot of plays at the level and intensity that Micah Parsons plays at. Now, Parsons, I thought, played a really good game against Pitt. Yes. Really good game. Uh, And I think that I agree with what you're saying. I'm just explaining why he wasn't in there. Hey, Steve, I want to switch gears and talk about something (laughs) that is happening in the world of sports that near and dear to my heart, and that is the Rugby World Cup going on right now. And here's what's very interesting about the Rugby World Cup. Rugby is a sport very foreign to the United States. However, there are two versions of rugby. There's called seven-man rugby and 15-man rugby. In seven-man rugby, the USA national team won last year's uh, national t- international tour among all the rugby-playing world's south uh, ga- countries in the world, South Africa, England, New Zealand, Australia. And uh, t- tomorrow morning at 5.30 a.m., they take on England. And whereas they were almost an afterthought in, in rugby in the world stage, people are giving some credence to this USA team that they've never given before. Watch party at Bruner's tomorrow yes. morning. Uh, on the NBC Sports Network. Coffee and crumpets. Yes. Tea and crumpets <laughs> my, uh, and all that. But what's fascinating is how sports have shifted and changed over time. For example, in the basketball world come just ended, the U.S. didn't even get a medal. Uh, right. they, they lost by 10 points to France in the uh, quarterfinals, so they were out. And yet here they are in rugby and the USA coming on a little bit stronger. So the sports are in constant flux and motion around the world, and it's kind of exciting to see. Uh, what time is this matchup? Five thirty, Steve. Uh, I know you'll just be coming in, but I'll be asleep. I know. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. All right, our thanks to Rich Scarcella for being on the show today. Zach Showers. Dave Ritchie, Greg Wetzel, and Bob Buner. No show tomorrow. The Phillies, it's their final afternoon game of the year in the middle of the week. After that, we're full steam ahead, which is fine because tomorrow I have to travel anyway. We will do the show from Greenbelt, Maryland on Friday. Not a bad Greenbelt. place to be because you're going to be right very close to College Park, I would imagine. Uh, it is. And uh, look, I just get on the bus. I sit in the back seat and I say, okay, just take me where we're going. Now, I do have a parking pass for Jack, but, you know, as I mentioned earlier, just to rub it into you. Yes, I know. And um, maybe I can meet Jack somewhere and um, share in the parking pass. Yeah, he's really looking forward to it, Pop. I know. Uh, well, so, he is, and <laughs> if you ask him, he'd say that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know if he. I don't know if he wants to drive over or not. That's up to him. I yeah. Don't know, now, I don't know what he wants to do. Steve, as we uh, talk about in the waning seconds here, I think Friday night is going to be a very exciting night. I think it's going to be uh, a back and forth, rock'em sock'em kind of a game. I think, uh, first of all, I think Maryland's good. Uh, they have, a, as usual, Maryland usually has a lot of speed. The problem Maryland's had over the years is they don't have a lot of depth. And 
when you look at their front line guys, they're really good. Uh, you know, they lost the one offensive lineman, the guard. The guy that replaced him did not have a good game when he came in last week, so now with an additional week, we'll see. Uh, that's That'll be interesting to see how they play that out with him. Uh, the tight ends are okay. The one is a transfer from Buffalo. They have a lot of transfers on this team. The tight end is a transfer from Buffalo. The quarterback's a transfer from Virginia Tech. The outside linebacker, Jones, is a transfer from Ohio State. The defensive end outside linebacker, uh, Shaq Smith, is uh, from Clemson. Uh, Rashad, uh, Rashad Lewis, or Rashad Lewis, is a transfer from Utah State. They have a lot of transfers on this team, and that's how they built this team back up by getting as many transfers as possible in there into key spots. And they have speed, but what they don't have is depth. They do not have depth. Now, the weather, weather-wise, that's not going to be an issue. It should be a decent temperature uh, to play a college game on a Friday night. Uh, obviously, it's a showcase game. Uh, it'll be sold out. It's a blackout. The extra bleachers for the students and so forth. But, you know, you put the extra bleachers in there for the students. Now you are crossing the <clears throat> 50,000 barrier, which yeah. is still ha- less than half of what they have at Beaver Stadium. Um, well, so it, it's not. And look, they have pumped in so much noise this week. It's unbelievable how much noise they have pumped in this week. Well, the other part of that is Penn State's practiced. <clears throat> not, they've played with noise. It's been their own fans, but they're used to a little bit of noise in the stadium. Right. Well, but yeah, but they've practiced with it a lot sure. this week. I yeah. mean, it. I mean, the volume has been turned up. It's like being at a suit staff meeting on Monday. <laughs> yes, it is. Lots of screaming. Oh, God, the yelling. Yeah. I mean, Sean, Sean will text me. He says, oh, my goodness, is they tan my hide today. Yeah. Huh? Out in the parking lot selling earplugs. Making no, that money. Unbelievable. Making that money. But uh, we'll talk to you or, or listen to you, Steve, Friday afternoon. Yep, we'll be down there on Friday, and that includes our picks as well. Today's show has been brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, and Hummel's Wharf here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.